friends out there in podcast land, you have set your dial to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports show where we talk about boxing, we talk about MMA, we talk about kickboxing, we talk about Muay Thai. We are always just a-talking. So, amongst all of the craziness that's going on out there, we were very fortunate enough last night to have a, a an unusual experience, I'm going to call it. The UFC fight night in Brasilia, Brazil, took place in... Well, essentially, it was closed doors. It was not open to the public. We had the full fight card, uh, but yeah, no, no audience members. Just the fighters, their corner people, you know, media and whatnot, and the judges and everything was all there. But yeah, no fans. So it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting way to look the, look at the fights. And so yeah, let's go ahead and jump right in, and break them down. So uh, first on the card, we had the Venezuelan Veronica Macedo. Uh, at bantamweight, fighting at 135 against the Swedish-born Bea Malecki. I remember her from her season of tough, very tall uh, Muay Thai fighter. In the first round, Macedo just came out like a fucking whirling dervish, man. She was throwing five, six, seven punch combos, fusioning with a kick. Uh, lots of really, really crisp stuff. Some stuff landed, some stuff didn't, but she seemed to really be the aggressor. Bea seemed to kind of just kind of follow her around, and she at least seemed so much taller, and she seemed like she should be really kind of pressing the pace a little bit and throwing that jab out there. Bisbing was often, you know, imploring her to please use your jab because uh, of the height disadvantage. But yeah, first round was almost. Mikado, Mikado, I hope I'm saying that right, because um, Juice will get after me if I'm not in uh, Round two, uh, Mikado clearly tired, man. She really kind of blew her wad in the first round and was definitely looking tired in the second. Uh, Bea gave some, took her down, gave her some good ground upon. I don't even know if we're going to call it a takedown. It's more like Maceda kept falling down, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Bea got on top and landed some nice GMP in the third, in the second. And in the third, it was a very fun back and forth. They both landed a bunch of nice stuff. Uh, clearly, I thought to me, I thought Bea won the second and the third round with uh, Veronica winning the first. So uh, one of many, many unanimous decisions for the evening that we'll be, uh, we'll be discussing as we go along. So, yeah, UD for Bea Malecki uh, over Veronica Makedo. Uh, next up was David Vorak. Now, there is a D there, but in a true, true Czech Republic way, you don't say the D. It's silent. So David Vorak versus Bruto Silva, the Czech Republic uh, for, for David and against the Brazilian in Silva, a Brazilian named Silva. Whoever heard of that? Uh, in a flyweight bout. First of all, the first thing that stood off the page to me was Vorak looked huge for 125. Uh, he was on a long win streak. Uh, nothing major happened in the first round until Silva front kicked uh, David in the face. That was beautiful. Uh, the second round, Devorah had a nice takedown. Uh, it was a pretty even second round. Third round, Silva takes his back, but Devorah escaped. Uh, Vorak much, much more aggressive in the third. That thing, that's really what tipped it to him. Neither guy, you know, besides that front kick, landed anything of major note. But another unanimous decision for uh, David Dvorak, who has won something like 17, 18 in a row. So look to see what kind of noise he brings as the time wears on in the uh, 125-pound division. Moving on to our third fight. We had Marina Burroughs out of the Ukraine versus Maia Bueno Silva, uh, another flyweight fight in the women's division. Uh, Burroughs had good strikes on her feet. She did some good ground and pound in the first round, but I really liked – she kind of reminded me of a – and I don't like to use the word poor man to be too disparaging, but kind of like a poor man's Valentina. I like the way she moved. I like the way how she was aggressive. Uh, she kept her chin tucked. She looked – she really knew what she was doing on the feet. Uh, the second – 
round. It was a back and forth for the first half of it. But then in the second half of the second round, uh, top control completely by Burroughs, just rained down some nice punches and elbows, did a great job. Now the third round, now that was the fun one, dude. The third round between these two was a back and forth slobber knocker. Uh, Burroughs took a huge cut on her head from a uh, Bueno Silva knee. The two, both those young ladies really left it all in there in the third round. But again, what were the first two? Burroughs really, I thought, was way ahead, uh, whereas the third could have gone either way. So, yeah, Burroughs gets another UD for the card over uh, Maya Buena Silva. Uh, our next fight was one I was really looking forward to on the prelims was Ronnie Yaya, longtime Brazilian jiu-jitsu ace, uh, going against Enrique uh, Barzola, who was the tough winner from Peru. At a 135-pound bantamweight, lots of scrambles in the fr- in the first round. Yaya trying to sub uh, Enrique a bunch of times, but Enrique, to his credit, was able to explode out of a lot of them, defend a lot of them. Um, it was really impressive, actually. There was a lot of there was a lot of sub attempts, and there was a lot of positioning. It was it was really cool to see. I'm usually I'm usually a striker guy, but I loved seeing some of these exchanges on the ground. Uh, that kind of was the same deal for the second round as well. It was a lot of Yaya trying to find p- different position on his back or uh, get mount or get side control or get whatever, and Enrique exploding out of it. So the third round then, uh, Barzol, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Yaya got his ass fucking whipped from pillar to post, man. Enrique Barzola was just a monster, dude. Would not let Yaya get up. Kept pulling him back down. Short elbows. Bang, bang, bang. Little punches. Boom. And then he was kneeing him to, not kneeing him, he was elbowing him to the gut, elbowing him to the thigh. He didn't even get his hands on. Uh, Enrique was just firing, dude. And he really, really whipped his ass in the third round. Um, I, to me, and what I have to think of was that it was 10-9, 10-9, Yaya, and then a 10-8 in the third for Enrique, which gave it a majority draw. Two of the two of the judges had it um, as a majority as a draw, so it's a majority draw. So yeah, that was a pretty cool fight. I enjoyed that one a lot. Uh, moving our way to our next fight was the 170 welterweight fight between Elizu Zalecki Dos Anjos versus Alexi uh, Kunchenko. Uh, yeah, the first guy, uh, or I'm going to call him Dos Anjos, or Dos Santos, I should say, and uh, Kunchenko was at 170. It was a close first round, lots of nice exchanges. In the second round, um, Kunchenko landed more strikes than Z Day, Z Day, I can't say it, than Z Dos Anjos. I'm not even going to say the guy's name because Juice will just break me over the coals. Um, but yeah, the second round, I thought. I thought the Russian landed more strikes. Then the third, it was a nice back and forth, man. It was a lot of punches, a lot of kicks. There was a lot of missed techniques. And then when they would get up against the cage, um, Dos Santos would just kind of hold him there, and Alexi would kind of hit him with palm strikes and short punches. Nothing really major happened. Um, I would actually have given it to the Russian, man. I was going to give it to uh, to Kunchenko, but the the judges gave it to uh, Dos Santos. It was, a cl- it was a close enough fight where I didn't have a big problem with that. Uh, Again, that was an enjoyable fight as well. And I keep saying enjoyable. I really enjoyed yesterday's fight. I don't know if it was because I'm so starved for sports, and especially for combat sports or not. But, man, I really enjoyed this whole card, to be honest with you. Um, And then the next one I really loved was the Amanda Rebus strawweight fight versus Random Marcos. I've said it before on the show. I love Random Marcos, dude. She trains part-time in my home state of Michigan. She, again, she was... 
kind of the girl who got picked on in her season and tough and then kind of had the revenge tour and got some nice wins. But last night, I think we may have seen the, the beginning of a star being born with Amanda Rebus. Rebus dominated both on the feet and on the ground in all three rounds. She outstruck Randa 173 to just 56. As we always love to say when something like that happens on our show, one-way traffic, baby. Amanda Rebus took the strawweight division. I think put them all on notice last night. She gets the easy clear decision, calls out Paige Van Zandt in the post-fight. I would love that fight. I know Paige still has some more healing to do. I don't know if she's ever going to come back to fighting. Who knows? But that's certainly uh, a good call-out for Rebus. I would love to see that fight. Again, I think we maybe had a star is born last night. She was so impressive on the feet. I, I really look forward to see what's for her next. So, uh, next we have our scrap between Brandon Moreno uh, versus Juicy Formiga, the longtime veteran Juicy Formiga at the 125 weight uh, flyweight division. Uh, this one was put to put it in a nutshell was Formiga doing good work when he was able to get Brandon down, and Brandon doing better on the feet. Right? It was a very Classic old school grapper versus striker. I love Brandon Moreno. I've loved him for a long time. I love watching this kid fight. Uh, I'm glad he pulled out the close decision over the tough vet for Miga. Again, I think it was the on the feet strikes that kind of swayed it his way, but it was a very close fight. You say it spent a lot of time on top, didn't do a ton with it, but again, I could see it going either way, but I'm glad it went to Moreno because I've always been a fan of his. Uh, moving our way to our next fight, Francisco Trinaldo, a dude who I've definitely love i love his backstory you know he was a homeless kid on the streets of brazil he uh he's actually older than i am which is unbelievable to be at this high level and uh yeah he fought john mcdessey the canadian another very tough guy uh francisco even at even at 41 dude he was the aggressor he was the one moving forward he was throwing more punches more kicks i think he did more damage i thought john had some nice explosions at times but yeah again it was a pretty clear-cut decision with francisco trinaldo another decision <laughs> over John McDessey. So uh, good on Francisco. I'd like to see what happens for him next. Uh, and then we had the hype train that was and then wasn't and then kind of was again in Johnny Walker out of Brazil versus Nikita Krylov out of the Ukraine at the 205-pound division. Now, since there was no heavyweights on this card, this was a light heavyweight. So being the stand that I am for the big boys, I was really had high hopes for it. Um, it didn't disappoint. I was pretty excited. Like I said, Krylov was definitely the aggressor. And the thing that stood out to me the absolute most was Johnny Walker didn't engage enough. That was A. We all were all used to seeing him kind of fly around and throw flying knees and be really in the face. But Krylov wasn't having it last night. Krylov was so accurate with his punches, dude. I don't know the last time I saw a stat line like this. He landed 128 out of 148 strikes. That is insanely accurate. That means not only was he being pre precise with his shots, but Walker needs to work on his head movement and, and angling away and getting some things shored up because there's no way somebody should land that high of a fucking percentage on your face and body the way that Krylov did. So, yeah, Johnny Walker loses by unanimous decision. Again, that train has derailed. I don't, I'm glad that he's not the one who got the shot at John Jones now. I thought a case could have been made for you know, both of them last time, but yeah, definitely not. He's got to stick, he's got to stick way back at the line at this point at 205 because that was not a good showing. Shout out to Krylov, man. Good job, dude. Uh, moving our next one, we finally had a fucking finish with Renato Moicano uh, moving up to lightweight. He's normally a 145er against Hadzovic. 
Uh, this one was super fucking fast, dude. 44 seconds, a quick RNC. Mikano got him down, <laughs> chug him down, put him in the RNC, tapped him out in just 44 seconds of the first round. And then he stood up and he was like talking shit to him, standing over him. And he never really made it clear as to why. He kind of said, I'm a frustrated because there's nobody here to watch and something, something, something. But they started talking about how he was a dad. It was very confusing. I don't know exactly what happened, but again, another great win for Moicano. And I was glad that we had a finish because we all know that with the barren landscape that was sports to watch yesterday, there was a lot of people, not even just casuals, but just regular sports fans starving for something to watch that were watching. So I was glad that they were able to see at least one, at that point, at least one stoppage. So, yeah, I was glad with, with, with people be able to watch and see, okay, oh, that's cool. That's an actual finish. So, yeah, I was glad to see that. Uh, yeah, Moicano, great win. We'll see what happens next. Moving up to 55, 155, he might be a major player with his ability on the ground. So, we'll see. Uh, next was the legend, Damian Maya uh, versus Gilbert Burns. This one, there's always one that hurts me. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's always one that gives my heart the old, oh, man. I love Damian Maya. I'm full disclosure. I have for forever. Uh, again, he's like he's like a year older than I am, so I've been watching him for for his whole UFC career. Uh, jiu-jitsu ace, possibly and arguably the best jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner that's in the landscape of mixed martial arts. Gilbert Burns is also a very high level jujitsu fighter, but also has really good stand up. And unfortunately, <laughs> at two thirty four to the first round. Uh, after Maya had tried a few subs on Gilbert and he was able to shuck him off, Gilbert throws the crisp left hook that hits fucking Damien right on the chin, puts him down. Gilbert stops, puts his arms up in the air like the fight should be stopped. The referee does not stop the fight. Maya kind of looks, kind of leads his head up and looks. Gilbert dives on him, throws a bunch of uh, hammer fists. The referee stopped it pretty quickly thereafter. Maya was. Oh, gosh, he was protesting, which I didn't like, but come on, dude. You got cracked clean, put on your ass, and then he hit you with four or five more on the ground. There's no reason that that fight should have kept on going. The right move was to stop the fight. Great wins. Great win for uh, Gilbert Burns, dude. What a fantastic showing on his part. Damian Maia, you're not done, bro. You could probably fight for a long time. Just let's try to avoid those strikers <laughs> and take them down and put them in a sub, dude. I'd love to see you again. Um, and then the, my favorite part actually of this was when he called out, when Gilbert called out Colby afterwards, that was really funny. I would actually love to see that fight. So we'll see what happens next. Um, then that moves our way into the uh, main event, which was Kevin, the Motown Phenom Lee versus Charles Dubronx Oliveira, the Oliveira being the, uh, being the, the, having the record for the most submissions in the UFC. Uh, the first couple rounds were pretty fun. There was lots of exchanges. I thought, um, I thought Oliveira gave just as good as he got on the feet, maybe a little bit better. The Kevin Lee was was in the pocket. He didn't seem as he didn't seem as active as I've often seen him. He wasn't throwing super long combinations. I don't know if he was attempting to conserve energy. Uh, he did a really good job of getting out of some sub attempts from Oliveira, which is no easy task because y'all know what a stud on the ground he is. Uh, then we moved our way again. It was pretty close over the first two rounds, and then we moved into the third, and then pretty quickly into the third. Charles Oliveira gets uh, Kevin Lee into a guillotine, taps him out, and the fight is over. Kevin Lee then got pulled off by the referee and then immediately grabbed Oliveira around the waist, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. It was tried to say that he didn't tap when he legitimately tapped like six or seven times. So, yeah, we'll get into that later. But uh, good win for Charles Oliveira. I do think he 
I do think Oliveira has a has a shot at a title shot here in the next couple of fights. The kid's got great uh, experience for being only 30. He's got 10 years in the cage. The dude is a fucking stud on the ground. He's getting better on the feet every time. High praise for him. Kevin Lee, he said after the fight that he may not fight for a couple years or more. He's not sure. He says he chokes under the bright lights. I don't know, man. I don't want to be on the uh, Kevin Lee hater train because I used to be. And then I heard his great interview with G from Woe TV, which really started to turn me around on him. And then he he kind of stepped on my feet after that. It was said some more really cocky out of the out of the necessary level <laughs> of things. So then I was kind of down on him again. And I didn't, you know, I was really looking forward to seeing what he did after knocking out, um, after knocking out Gillespie last time with a high kick. <sighs> I don't know what's next for him, dude. We'll get into that. And we get into the uh, questions part. So uh, that right now is going to actually move us into our Twitter questions. So we're going to give our newest member of the crew, Drea at Drea underscore MMA, a call. She is going to be reading in, our Twitter questions. So, Drea, how are you today, my friend? I'm great. How are you? Wonderful. So glad to have you as our new addition to the show with uh, your Twitter question reading. So I know our first one comes from my homie Phil, the MMA dude of the Split Decision Podcast. And what does Phil have, a, have for us for his first question, Drea? Well, this question is actually from last week, and it's regarding the uh, UFC title fight between Izzy and Yoel. So he asks, was this the worst UFC title fight of all time? Personally, I thought it was worse than Woodley Maya and Woodley Thompson too. If it wasn't the worst, what is the worst title fight in your opinion? Phil, that's a great question. The The first one that came to mind and the one that I'm actually going to answer with and stick with is, again, I was just like you. I did not like the Izzy Romero fight from last week. But my pick for the worst UFC title fight for me is from UFC 90, UFC 97 in Montreal, Anderson Silva versus Talos Latis, April 18th, 2009. What a dud that one was. Ugh, dude, Latis was constantly flopping on his back. Anderson was like, who I like really loved at the time. Anderson was standing over him, clapping his hands a bunch, talking shit to him. Very, very minimal action. Tons of just Latis laying on his back. It sucked. Anderson didn't do anything to make himself look like that dominant champ that he was. He could have, he could have engaged. Ugh, it was just an awful, awful title fight. So for me, Phil, the MMA dude, if you look up UFC 97, the Talos Latest Anderson Silva fight from Montreal was just a garbage as far as I'm concerned. So that's my answer for that one. Great question, my friend. Uh, Drea, moving on to our next one, we've got from Cyrus King at Cyrus King. And uh, what does he have for us today? So his question is about Kevin Lee. He asks, he seems to obviously have problems making weight at 155, yet I don't see him being competitive with the top five at 170. If you were him, what do you do? Cyrus, that's a very in-depth question, dude. I've gone over this in my head a bunch of times. 170 is where he needs to stay. I know he probably would like to stay or be able to make 155 for his whole career. I think it's already been such a problem for him to make 155 and as as young as he is. Uh, as you get older, we've talked about this on the show before, as you get older, it makes it tougher to cut weight and to make a lower weight class. So, again, just to answer that part, first part, he needs to stay at 170 as far as I'm concerned. Like, if I'm his manager, that's what I'm saying. Uh, part two is a little bit more challenging to answer. We all see what he could bring to the table. Like, we see flashes of it, right? The size, the athleticism, the strength, the striking. There are a lot of good parts of Kevin Lee. Um, again, if I'm his manager, 
I can't have him lose anymore right now, right? He's we got to find a way to build his confidence. So for me, take his next two to three fights in a, from far lower ranked opponents. I mean, middle prelims, early main card, out of the top 15, try to get his confidence back. I know it's for a lot less money and prestige, but we're trying to save the guy's career in the UFC, trying to resurrect it to kind of having the promise that we know he once had. He's still a very young man, uh, but he's fought so many killers, dude. Take the take the th- take the fucking foot off his throat. Let him have a couple of fucking fights that he should certainly win. Stay at one seventy. Try to focus on his stand up. I know he's got a great wrestling background, but shore up the holes in the stand up game. And I think that's what I would do if I was kind of in charge of Kevin Lee's uh, Kevin Lee's career. So that's my take on it. Great, great question, serious. Thank you so much for participating, dude. Now we have a second, a second one from Phil. My, my homie from the MMA dude and from the Split Decision Podcast. And uh, his third question is this. What does he got for us, Drea? He asks, uh, Tristar had a really rough night, obviously, last night. Uh, is it possible the gym is a little overrated? And maybe Rory and GSP in particular are just special. It's kind of an SBG Ireland situation. Yeah, you might be right, Phil. Um, I don't know if overrated is the word that I would use. If you take GSP out of the equation, because I think he would have been an all-time great at any one of the major dreams of the last like 15 years, uh, TriStar has had like a very solid list of top-level MMA fighters who have trained there, who've gone through there. Uh, besides GSP and Rory, um, who obviously GSP champ, Rory champ, Miguel Torres was the WC champ, Arnold Allen, Kenny Florian, Gavin Tucker, uh, David Loazzo, all very high-level guys, both in and out of the UFC. And, of course, Johnny and Kevin, who are both training there, they both lost last night. But there's also been a bunch more um, – they have a bunch of guys who are competing in major promotions right now. I don't have anything bad to say about Faraz Zahabi or his team. They've got some pretty good coaches over there overall. I still think TriStar is a major is a major player in the gym in the gym game. Uh, I'd say they're top ten in North America for me, to be honest. Uh, SBG could get to that level someday. Right now, there's no way they you know they've got three or four guys who people have heard of. Um, they definitely don't have the history that TriStar does. So yeah, I definitely think they could at some point become a powerhouse over there in Ireland. But Straight Blast Gym, they really need more time uh, on the landscape of MMA to really build up their roster uh, and have, like, you know, create a history in a way that TriStar has that SPG just hasn't been around enough to do. So, yeah, I still think I still think they are a viable, real player in the gym game, uh, TriStar, that is. So, yeah, that's what I think about that. Phil, great question, man. If you guys don't already check them out, check out Phil and the Fight Geek at uh, Split Decision Podcast. It is fan-fucking-tastic. So our fourth question actually comes from my my Twitter reader, Drea. Drea, what do you have for me today? My question is, what's your opinion on the Kevin Lee tap out? Did he think he could just get away with acting like he didn't tap out and the fight would just go on? Or did he like go to sleep for a second when he tapped and just not realize what was even happening? Yeah, I think it's the latter, not the former. I think he really was choked out for a second and then kind of was in la-la land and then kind of came to once the pressure was released from his neck, you know, and then he kind of hopped around like, oh, I'm still in the fight, you know, just kind of on instinct. So I don't think he was being a cheap shot artist trying to, you know, cheat necessarily. I think he really did get kind of choked into um, sort of semi-consciousness and then roll around and think he was still 
and think he was still in the fight. So no, I don't think he was cheating. I think he it was what you said the second part. I think he was, you know, halfway asleep and then just kind of came back to and went on instinct to go ahead and fight. So that is that is a great question there, Twitter question reader. Um, we are now going to dive into our segment that we are we are introducing today. It is Drea's drop of the night. So Drea. Who was your drop of the night last night in UFC Fight Night Brasilia? Well, I don't believe there was actually much to choose from in last night's fights, but I will go with Gilbert Burns' left hook to Maya. Dropped him and then obviously finished with the ground and pound, but... I'd say top of the night definitely goes to Gilbert Burns. Yeah, you're right. There wasn't a whole lot to choose from on this card <laughs> in the night of the the incredible night of a million decisions. But yeah, you're right. That's there's really no other answer. I don't think for that one. That's a great one, Drea. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are going to be including this every week. Drea has committed to the show. She put the big Twitter poll out, and the people have spoken. And Drea is going to be my permanent. Twitter question reader, and we're also going to keep this segment of Drea's drop of the night in every single week. So, Drea, thank you so much for your inaugural. Uh, I mean, I know you read questions for me one time before, but this is your inaugural show as like an actual full time member. So, both D Reigns, who's our engineer, and myself, we want to welcome you as a permanent fixture to the show. Thank you so much for calling in, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. See you next week. You got it. Now we're moving into our segment where we have our call-in questions. Our first call-in comes from Ryan, my homie Mixed the Man. Uh, and Ryan, what do you have for us this week, buddy? Right out, it's your buddy Mixed the Man. Still rocking a violence boner. I mean, that fucking midnight, I pissed in my face when I woke up. That shit was so hard. I mean, the main event, and I mean main event, Wiley Zhang, Yoana Young, Jacek. Not the prelim fight that followed it. That was absolutely fucking incredible. If you needed a reason to fall in love with this sport again, that was it. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, is strawweight the marquee division for women's fighting and one of the marquee divisions uh, in the UFC as a whole? And is it maybe time to open up the atomweight or 105-pound women's division? I personally think there's going to be a huge tidal wave of competitors as these younger women still in high school are seeing the opportunities that are available to them in MMA. So I couldn't be more excited about the future of women's MMA. I think big, big things are coming. Want to get your thoughts on it. Have a great one. Okay. Obviously this was from last weekend, but we already had the show done by the time Ryan called in. And it's such a great question. I had to keep it on this week's show because um, Ryan, I could not agree with you more, dude. 115 is great. Uh, there's there's so much high talent in that top 10 of the 115. It's great. It's musty TV for any fight fan. I absolutely loved it. The, the best women's fight of all time was last weekend, so I understand the, I'm using air quotes, the violence boner that you referred to, my friend. Um, and yeah, as far as an atom weight division, dude, Come on, I've been campaigning for an atomweight division for months, if not longer, on my show. And it's an easy fucking equation. The 105 division in Invicta is really, really good. They're all very young, still pretty green. But I'm telling you, after they get four or five fights at the atomweight division in Invicta, then they can be able to graduate to the UFC. It's an it's an obvious transition. It's a perfect feeder pool into the UFC. I couldn't agree with you more. 115 is the premier division in women's MMA. And it's one of the most exciting ones in the entire fucking company to be honest with you and yes an atom weight division should absolutely be added to the ufc i totally love it i'm totally on board with you dude fucking a so great question my friend 
our next one comes from the big homie Jim Assoon. And Jim has a very interesting question for me, a little out of the box. Jim, what do you have for us today, my brother? What's going on, you bunch of casuals? Rhino. How you doing, every guy? Uh, the car wasn't too bad, you know. For nothing at all being on, it was actually really good. <laughs> but uh, my question for you is, what do you do with no sports on at all? You know, now with no fighting, you know, I can know we can go watch all the replays we want, but what do you do now that we have no sports on whatsoever? That's my question for you. Keep up the great work, bud. We love it. It's always 420. Peace. God dang, Jim. I'm telling you what, I'll never get tired of saying it. A show without you is no show at all. You are an absolute fixture with Combat Sports with Rhino. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, so I answered this question in two ways. One, if you were referring to the show, like what if they actually we actually do have events get totally canceled and we don't have anything? There's enough material for us to talk about, dude. I'm always going to bring the show every Sunday as long as my engineer is available, dude. And, you know, I can walk and I can talk. I'm going to have the show on. So, yeah, we'll figure out something to do. We always want to bring the entertainment to our fans. Fans, um, yeah. So as far as the show goes, there's always going to be a show, even if it's all, if it's all like live call-ins where we just reminisce about old fights and talk shit. I don't know. I don't think it'll come to that, thank God. But yeah, dude. So no matter what, there's still going to be a show. Uh, the other way of saying of, of taking your question was what I'm. What am I personally doing? Like in the meantime, like while there's no sports on, Jim, I am watching a lot of Thirty for Thirties. Okay, ESPN Plus has the entire library of Thirty for Thirties. I'm watching. I've seen them all pretty much. Um, occasionally I'll run across one that I haven't seen, but for the most part, I'm rewatching them. I watched the 85 bears. I watched going broke or whatever that one was called yesterday. A lot of 30 for thirties, dude. Um, I've been reading a lot. Uh, I just read Lanta Brown, MMA Twitter's own Lanta Brown's book, the, the mixed martial artist, which was a roller coaster ride of twists, turns, shocking res- re- revelations. It was fabulously written. Uh, it's definitely worth ch- checking out if you are an adult okay because this is a very adult book i i absolutely thought it was incredible especially for a first novel so again this is turning a little bit of a shout out to you lanta but what i'm so impressed with your ability to paint a picture yeah some parts make you crazy some parts make you uncomfortable some parts make you cheer it, it, it's it was amazing so kudos to you uh so yeah i just got done with that book there are several at home projects that mr rhino needs to fucking get after that i've been putting off or starting and then stopping over the last couple of years so yeah definitely because you know i work at a school and we're done for a month so we're off for a month so i really need to uh i really need to tackle some of these home projects but yeah dude that's pretty much what i'm doing i'm actually connecting with old friends i know it's, it'll be shocking to some of my younger listeners but like actually talking on the phone with people and facetiming with people like actually having these conversations people i don't get to talk to that often it's kind of been the silver lining to this so yeah i'm doing a lot of a lot of stuff at home dude i'm trying to follow the the conditions that we're kind of being told to do. And um, yeah, I'm just really appreciative actually of this time to reconnect with friends and family the most. That's been the, really the, uh, the silver lining. So thank you so much for asking it, Jim. And you're right for you, my brother, it is always 420. Um, yeah. So thank you, sir. So now we're going to move into the shout outs for the Rhino gang to the homies, Ryan, Jim, Phil, 
and Cyrus. Thank you for your questions today. Oh, Andrea, uh, Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast, Ken, Gator, Marquise, Mr. B, Mike from OTV, Rory from Threadhead Media. Check his stuff out, dude. Very, very cool. Very cool guy. Uh, of course, my homie Dave Fretz, who I know is on vacation right now. The ladies from the Rhino Gang, G from OTV, Deja, Chelsea and Delilah from the TKO podcast, Pokemama, Scottish Blaze, Pixie, Courtney, Ashley, the MMA nerd, Lanta, who already talked about your book. I really hope you're proud of yourself. Dude, what an amazing ability to not only talk about it, but to be about it. Putting out your own novel, kudos, kudos to you. Uh, Trouble and all the rest of my friends on MMA Twitter. A special thanks to D. Reigns, my engineer, Drea, our newest member of the team, Let's uh let's you know what guys let's be cool to each other. I know there's some bad stuff going on in the world right now, but all the more reason to be kind, be cool. No reason to jump down anybody's throat on MMA Twitter or Twitter otherwise or any social media for that matter. Let's all fucking take a deep breath at it in our own homes <laughs> with our hand sanitizer on having just washed our hands. Let's all take a deep breath, relax, be cool to each other. And uh, yeah, I love all you guys. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. And hopefully there will be fights next week that we can talk about. And we will see you then. Cage side.